Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. The Joyce Kaufman Podcast is being brought to you by Code Red Roofers, South Florida's leading residential and commercial roof experts. Code Red Roofers, roofers that respond. Call 844-4-CODE-RED or visit coderedroofers.com. So I know it's like politically incorrect for me to wish everybody a happy President's Day because, of course, we are not allowed to, you know, take any pleasure in anything that has to do with American history anymore. (laughs) <laughs> you just um, you just have to chuckle. You don't know what else to do. But today is President's Day. Originally, it was a celebration of George Washington's birthday. And then eventually, it was moved to the third Monday in February, uh, which was kind of forced by a bill that was passed by Congress in 1968 called the Uniform Monday Holiday Act. And, of course, the purpose was just to create a bunch of three-day weekends, which I don't think any of us object to. When it took effect in 1971, most federal holidays were moved to Monday, and Columbus Day became a federal holiday. Not anymore. The exceptions were New Year's, Christmas, July 4th, and the, uh, the late November football watching day, also known as Thanksgiving. A little snide comment for me every now and then. You know, because of an uproar, Veterans Day, which had been moved to Monday, was returned to the 11th day of the 11th month, the day World War I ended. While officially a celebration of Washington's birthday after the bill took effect in 1971, it morphed into President's Day, tearing down an American hero and replacing it with a meaningless woke day off work. For some, I'm on work and Sharina's at work and you're probably at work too. And it then became a trivial holiday. Look, it's okay to celebrate presidents individually, but it's not okay for all 46 on the same day and not all days off. Truth is, we're not celebrating any presidents if we're celebrating all of them together. After all, we don't celebrate the birthdays of all of our siblings and parents on the same day, do we? Wouldn't you feel slighted if you weren't given your own special day? You know, or or because somebody earned a more significant celebration than you did. So suggesting that President's Day is a trivial holiday isn't about putting down a particular president, although sometimes they're doing that as well. Instead, the suggestion is about tossing out the wokeism and substituting a day of civics, a day of understanding the rights and obligations of every citizen and understanding how the Declaration of Independence and the Constitution were part of creating those rights and obligations. I had to get that off my chest. Part of that day could explain how a president's job has changed since George Washington. You would admit that it has changed. Speaking of presidents, and and this is one of those things that you have to do very gently, very, very gently, but apparently uh, former president Jimmy Carter has now entered into what's considered hospice care at his home surrounded by his family. And he's 98 years old. 
I presume that most people were anticipating that at some point um, he was, you know, going to take that final uh, presidential limousine uh, into uh, the 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 great beyond. I'm trying to be as gentle as I can, you know, um, and and for many people, you know, uh, Jimmy Carter is one of the their favorite presidents. Certainly his life after the presidency had a lot to commend him. His involvement with uh, Habitat for Humanity and, um, you know, and then there were some things that are absolutely um, horrific about Jimmy Carter. He oversaw the worst four years in my lifetime with interest rates in the stratosphere, upper stratosphere. Uh, he also was uh, anti-Israel, always. You know, always uh, screaming about apartheid and, and screaming about, uh, you know, the, the, the ev evil uh, Jewish state. So, you know, the thing I think that bothers me the most, you know, because obviously nobody wants to um, speak ill of the people who are either dying or have already passed, um, so uh, I'm just going to circumvent everything that's in my mind and not say it. And I won't have an opportunity to say it for the next couple of weeks, probably. Um, but I did want to say, you know, we used to have a Deadpool at um, the radio station. And for years, you were allowed to hold on to your person for a period of 15 years. If they didn't expire in that 15-year period, you had to give up that person. And now they were probably even closer to the end and somebody else got to take your person. I held on to Jimmy Carter for 15 years and I almost got to renew him for another 15. Well, not really. It would have been in three years from now. Um, but uh, he outlived everybody on that Deadpool. Everybody. Like, there wasn't a single person whose person didn't expire except me in the Deadpool. So, you know, maybe that's part of my antipathy. Um, but again, nobody likes to see a person who devoted their life to public service, and that he did. Even if I didn't agree with what he considered public service, he devoted his life to public service, and he lived a long life. And I don't believe that people live long lives like that who aren't uh, careful about the way they live. And I do believe he was a, a, a moral man, if uh, overly moral and not very, very bright. Um, so that was part of the news that I woke up to. Uh, I also woke up to the fact that uh, the, pre let me explain how this came to be in my head today. I was in the gym and when I go into the gym, the particular machine that I used, to, I like to use, the rowing machines, are directly in front of the television set that is always tuned to uh, MSLSD. And so uh, I try to keep my head down and just concentrate on my exercise, but every now and again, you know, you look up and you see whatever is going on up there on the screen. And I saw this headline, a historic visit by President Biden to the Ukraine. I mean, this went on for like, 15 minutes, I kept looking up and it was still the historic visit. It was all these guests talking about the historic, historic visit. Now, mind you, when Donald Trump would visit the troops without an announcement or go to some war-torn area without an announcement, that same station would run in the Chiron, uh, 
cheap photo op by president. Never would it say a historic visit. It was always a cheap photo op. Uh, what's he doing there? He needs to concentrate on what's here. And I just, I just, I loathe the fact that the uh, media by and large just cannot be unbiased, even for five seconds. You know, uh, uh, he went to Poland and then he took a train ride to the Ukraine. Of course he did. And I'll tell you why he did it. It was a photo op. You know, Donald Trump wasn't the only president who was eager to put forth an image that he thought would resonate with the American people. Are you going to tell me that you, you think Joe Biden's motives were pure? Yeah, I got to go talk to Zelensky. I, I wouldn't be surprised if he went there and said, hey, look, you know, after all that uh, nonsense with uh, my son Hunter and this, just uh, you, whatever you need, you know, do what I say and you can have whatever you need. Eh, more guns, you got it. Get rid of the prosecutor, you got it. You know, him going to the Ukraine would be like, uh, I'm, I'm trying to think of what would be comparable. Because, oh, Russia. It would be as if, uh, you know, Donald Trump had made a trip to uh, Putin. You know, the, the press would be like, oh, you see, he's a Putin puppet. <laughs> but no, no, they, they won't say anything. It's a historic visit. Um, and the Ukraine, you know, this Zelensky character, whatever you think of him, you know, I, I, I've grown less and less um, tolerant of his histrionics, I really have. But now it's, our tanks will take Red Square. Um, no, that's probably not going to happen. No, your tanks are not going into Russia. That's not going to happen. Their tanks are coming into you. Uh, they have destroyed um, fully half of your country. For all intents and purposes, the Ukraine is a shell of a country now. There's nothing but air raid sirens going off. Even with our president over there, it's like every background noise is an air raid. But they're gonna, their tanks are, are going to take Red Square. I mean, please, you know, this isn't the Catch a Rising Star, and you're not doing a comedy routine. You're not playing to Nancy Pelosi. You're, you're, you're just, you sound stupid. And, and maybe what you should say is, you know, we want this carnage to end so that our people can return to normal lives. I love this. It was a story yesterday of this uh, young girl. I don't know if it was, it wasn't The Onion, but it might have been some satirical site because it certainly made me laugh out loud. Had a picture of like a six-year-old girl who uh, came over from Ukraine and she was going to school in either Chicago or Detroit, you know, one of our more uh, <laughs> peaceful cities. I don't know how to frame it. One of the, the hell holes that we now have in the United States of America where we expect people to live. They brought her over there and she wants to go back to the Ukraine. She felt less, less threatened in the Ukraine. She felt safer in the Ukraine than she did in a major American city. What does that tell you? Tells you good, not good stuff, not good stuff at all. So, uh, if you want another reason why I really don't like electric vehicles and don't want to get one and anticipate and actually predict that this is a this is a a fad that's going to pass, except in California where no fads pass; they just become law. 
Um, electric vehicles may be advancing in the automotive industry. In the state of California, 15% of cars are electric. The race is on to see who will cross the finish line as the best model electric vehicle on the market and the first state to reduce emissions by embracing them. The one thing that electric vehicle makers have discovered is that the AM radio frequency interferes with the vehicle's systems, creating static and hum on the FM channel. Electric vehicles create more electromagnetic interference than their gas-powered counterparts. Due to this discovery, several electric vehicle manufacturers have eliminated the AM radio feature in their vehicles. With 974 minutes of monthly of radio listening time per listener and 82% of adults tuning in, removing the AM channel may have listeners tuning in on their smartphones. There are alternatives. Don't fret. Happy motoring. And that's why, you know, (laughs) they never think about anything long-term, right? It's all like, Okay, climate change. We're worried. Electric vehicles for everyone. You can't afford one? Uh, We'll give you a tax rebate. Oh, you still can't afford one? We'll make it a law that you have to have one. And you'll have to figure it out. And and we'll get rid of the AM radio. Now, let me see. What is on AM radios that really uh, is not on FM radios quite as much? Let me think. Do, 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 do. Oh, that's right. Conservative talk. That's right. Oh, imagine. They wouldn't possibly be trying to limit the amount of conservative talk that people could listen to, right? You know, they, they never interfered with conservatives on the internet now, did they? Or, you know, Facebook, Twitter, none of those uh, social media platforms tried to interfere with information being exchanged by conservatives now, did they? Uh, electric vehicles don't have AM radios. Just saying, you know, maybe I am a conspiracy nut, but that just seems a little too obvious to me. How about you? Anyway, uh, don't forget to download our app, our 850 app, because soon you may have to be in an electric vehicle and you will not have access to an AM radio and you will have to listen on your smartphone. Although I actually prefer many times listening on my smartphone because um, you get a direct line through the internet to the station and there's far less interference. So that's not a bad idea. Also, visit our websites because News Talk 850 has two ways for you to win. Register to win various sweepstakes right there at the website, 850WFTL.com. And you even get rewarded just for listening on the app. Um, they have Tilson Bolay gift cards, 50 bucks from Bolay Fresh Bold Chicken. Not chicken, kitchen. <laughs> I, I typed that myself, so it's my mistake. Uh, you can try their all-new chef-crafted bowls layered with nutrient-rich ingredients and powerful proteins. Enter on our app at eight, or at the website, 850WFTL.com, and you can win a pair of tickets to Rib Roundup. That's going to be um, going on, I don't know, uh, March 4th, March 4th. Saturday, March 4th is Rib Roundup, so you better get in on that right now. I'm going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back.
All these crazy alien stories can't be true, can they? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. Hey, more good news on your uh, COVID-19 vaccine safety. There's a health alert out by the uh, Florida State Surgeon General. It says the COVID-19 pandemic brought many challenges that the health and medical field have never encountered before. And crisis management. And the state surgeon general believes it is critical that as a public health professional, responses are adapted to the present to chart a future guided by data. The state surgeon general is notifying the healthcare sector and public of a substantial increase in vaccine adverse event reporting system reports from Florida after the COVID-19 vaccine rollout. Now, let me like, uh, let me translate that into English. It is English, but it's kind of haughty English. Um, overall, the number of reports that were submitted to the VAERS system, that's the Vaccine Adverse Event Reporting System, uh, there was a, between 2006 and 2022, in Florida alone, there was a 1,700% increase in such reports after the release of the COVID-19 vaccine compared to an increase of 400% in overall vaccine administration for the same time period. The reporting of life-threatening conditions increased over, I'm gonna say this number and you're gonna be shaking your head, but it's true, increased over 4,400%. That's a pretty uh, large number, right? Uh, we've never seen anything like that. We didn't see it during the 2009 H1N1 vaccination campaign. You think maybe we need a little more unbiased research so that we could understand the COVID-19 vaccine's short-term effects and long-term effects? The findings in Florida are consistent with various studies that continue to uncover such risks. To further evaluate this, the Surgeon General wrote a letter to the U.S. Uh, Food and Drug Administration, the FDA, and the CDC, the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, illustrating the risk factors associated with the mRNA COVID-19 vaccines and emphasizing the need for additional transparency. Good luck with that to our uh, wonderful Surgeon General here in the state of uh, Florida. The, The idea that you would have studies that show there's an excess risk of serious adverse events, including coagulation disorders, acute cardiac injuries, Bell's palsy, and encephalitis. The risk was one in 550 individuals, which is way higher than other vaccines. A second study found increased acute cardiac arrests and other acute cardiac events following mRNA COVID-19 vaccination. Additionally, another study says there's a risk of thromboembolic and thrombocytopenic events related to COVID-19 vaccines, 
let me again translate for you. People are getting really hurt by these uh, mRNA vaccines. They're having strokes. They're having heart attacks. They're having Bell's palsy and, and you name it. They're getting all kinds of problems. And while the CDC has identified safety signals for stroke among individuals 65 and older following the bivalent booster administration, what, I feel like I'm living in an alternate universe. So you know that there's a real likelihood that some individuals over 65 um, run very high risks for stroke, for instance, after this vaccine. You give it to them anyway? You give it to them anyway, even knowing that were they to contract the COVID-19 virus or any of these bivalents, we could treat them. We could actually treat them. We don't have to do what we did when this first reared its ugly head and we had no idea what to do and we kept putting people on uh, ventilators and, and then watching them die. We don't do that anymore. We have medical protocols that actually help and work. Pavlovic, you've got uh, uh, you know all kinds of alternative treatments that I know the uh, CDC doesn't like us to talk about, but uh, you know a little ivermectin, a little uh, chlor- chlor- hydrochloroquine. You know, might might help. Yeah, yeah. The state of Florida is dedicated to protecting communities from the risks of COVID-19 and other public health concerns, specifically by promoting the importance of treatment and promoting prevention through healthy habits. We encourage our healthcare partners and providers to do the same. So what are the, uh, what are the prevention habits that we should all develop? Do I need to remind you all again to wash your hands? I mean, come on, guys. We're grown-ups here, right? You got to wash your hands. You got to be careful who you associate with and how closely you associate with people. If you don't feel comfortable going into crowded places, but you you would feel better if you had a mask on, then put a mask on. You know, I don't object to people wearing masks. I object to them telling me to wear a mask, okay? And I know that there are some people who have very high risk for contracting any kind of virus or any kind of illness, and they could be under treatment for cancer. They really cannot take any chances, right? I get it. I get it. You should be six feet apart. You should have a mask on, and you should stay in the house. But that's not the majority of us. You know, I had somebody call me, uh, text me this morning and said, look, I just wanted to let you know, someone that I saw yesterday, that, uh, you know, a lot of people at, at work have uh, tested positive for COVID-19. Okay. A lot of people everywhere test positive for COVID-19. How many of them get really, really sick? Not many. Sorry. You know, I, I have kids who've had it multiple times. I have a grandchild who's had it two, if not three times, okay? So apparently, um, we're not all gonna die of COVID-19. Some of us, however, could possibly die from the vaccine, from the mRNA vaccine, just saying. So when you weigh those two factors together, if you're an adult, which I am, shouldn't you be allowed to make a decision based on the, uh, the most transparent, documentation and evidence that you can find 
Yeah, well, you're just not grown up enough to do that. We're not going to let you do that, okay? You you will listen to Anthony Fauci even after he's retired. <laughs> uh, then I got this news article uh, emailed to me that really, uh, if you live in Broward County, this makes you want to pull your hair right out of your head. Or actually, it makes me want to pull uh, the hair of my Broward County Commission out of their heads. Um, listen to these statistics. Fake retirements allow 1,580 Broward County school employee triple dippers to take over $210.2 million in pension cash bonuses and collect $103.6 million in salaries to do the same job at the same time. The top pension bonus is $436,480 with an average pension bonus of $155,754. Hey, let me put out this uh, word to the Broward County School Board. Do not renew the contracts of these fake retirement triple dippers and give 1,580 of our unemployed taxpayers a chance at these jobs. It is. It's time for these retired public servants to move on and let young people apply for these jobs. These triple dippers used to be called the Deferred Retirement Option Program, DROP, which should, should drop for real, allows school districts and government units to allow employees at age 62 with eight years on the job or 25 years on the job to file fake retirement paperwork, collect a pension and a paycheck at the same time to do the same job. Triple dippers are the only public employees who don't pay 3% of their salary into the Florida pension system shifting personal responsibility to us, the taxpayer. Triple dippers have created a $36 billion unfunded pension liability in Florida approximately 1600 bucks for every man, woman, and child in Florida. I want my money back. I feel like Rihanna, except she didn't say it that politely. B blank, better have my money. The statewide of a, uh, uh, approximately 33,000 plus triple dippers can be sorted by name, employer, fake retirement date, pension cash bonus, and pension cash bonus date right at a website, tripledippers.org, FL-statewide, 2022, April. I mean, the cherry on the top is the triple dippers then cash out unused vacation and sick and personal days at their final highest pay, not the salary when the days off were earned, so they're artificially taking more taxpayer money and increasing the final year's salary upon which future pension uh, payments are going to be made. The Florida legislature and Governor DeSantis recently gave a, what was it? I think a $500 million increase to teacher salaries and a $1,000 bonus to every teacher and principal in Broward and in the state and Broward County voted in 2022 to increase taxes by $267 million to increase teachers' pays, doubling that tax. 
If you replace the 1,580 triple-dipping Broward School employees with freshly trained, newly educated, and healthier entry-level people, we could save $44.1 million in lower salaries. Now, what a novel concept. Save the taxpayers some money instead of raping and robbing and pillaging us. Just saying. Let me take a quick break. I'll be right back. Ah, just every every now and again, I, I look up from my computer screen because I know that I'm going to go absolutely crazy if I continue to look down at it. And I've discovered that, you know, there are so many corrupt, lying people in the upper echelons of government right now that I'm afraid, you know. One of the things that I talk about in my No Restraint podcast that's um, it's coming down today because I'm really trying to stay away from some of the most uh, horrible news that's actually out there. And one of the big stories in the last week or two has been about this revival that was taking place, that is taking place at Asbury uh, College in Wilmore, Kentucky. And I'm not going to go into any detail here now on the show because I, I've devoted almost uh, two-thirds of my podcast today to it and what I think it means and what I, you know, on my podcast I get to talk about things that really you don't generally talk about on a radio talk show. So you'll, you'll be able to, to go see there, that there. But I also talk about the fact that there are some stories that, you know, most of the media is really reluctant, and certainly a faith-driven one is one of them, but there's other stories that people don't want to talk about. Like, for instance, there are now, um, there's now evidence, and I'm not talking about, you know, this is some conspiracy th uh, theory, but there's evidence about three undercover Metropolitan Police Department officers that joined up with a bunch of protesters on the northwest side of the Capitol on January 6th of 2021, including one who climbed over a barricade and pushed others towards the Capitol building. There's another one who walked behind Ashley Babbitt, the person, really the only person who was shot uh, on that day, and was heard saying, someone will get shot. And this just came out in newly disclosed court documents. These that were filed by the defendant, William Pope of Topeka, Kansas. He's also got a video of MPD bicycle officers stopping four armed men in plain clothes on January 6th, only to find out that the men were federal agents. Video included with the filing by uh, William Pope shows uniformed Metro, Metropolitan Police Department officers saying we were set up to fail on January 6th. So now you're gonna see, you're gonna have another debate about who was involved, who played a role in that, how many undercover officers and agents played a role in the riots of January 6th, as they like to call it, or the protest, as I like to call it, and why has that evidence been kept under seal and not allowed, and the public hasn't been allowed to look at it? 
I mean, the video clearly shows undercover law enforcement officers urging the crowds to go up the stairs, to go up the scaffolding towards the Capitol on that morning, on that day. The government can claim all at once that these things didn't happen, but they did happen. The facts show that they happened. The videotape illustrates that they happened. And since the government couldn't be trusted to even show us that videotape or enter any of that testimony into the record, then it's more important than ever that that defense lawyers and and the defendants themselves get to look at the evidence. You know, what is this? You know, this this it's not just a lack of transparency, it's actually corruption of the highest order. To allow a, a, a group of police officers to participate in literally egging on protesters to do what ended up being, uh, you know, what they like to call a riot. Where's the culpability here? The three undercover MPD officers approached the northwest corner of the Capitol grounds at about 1.40 p.m. on January 6th. Officer One, who was filming their journey, joined the crowd chanting, Drain the Swamp. When a group of men ran past them towards the Capitol, Officer Two, wearing a Trump beanie, remarked, Those guys are getting shot. At the base of the scaffold stairs, Officer Number One joined the crowd in a chant, Whose house? Our house. Officer One began yelling at people in front of him to go, 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 as they climbed bicycle racks. Officer One yelled for the crowd to help him up, help him up, followed by push him up, push him up, the motion reads, a pope describing how Officer Number One climbed over a barricade. Needing help to get up, Officer One asked the nearby man to give him a boost, the motion says. The man gave Officer One a lift up, and Officer One says, thanks, bro. Officer One pushed protesters in front of him to advance on the Capitol, shouting, come on, come on, come on, let's go. People around him climbed over bike rack-style barricades and scaffolding that had been set up for the presidential inauguration. And at one point, Officers 2 and 3 were almost directly behind Trump supporter Ashley Babbitt on the exterior stairs about an hour before she was gunned down at the entrance to the speaker's lobby. This is all up there. You can see it yourself. Why hasn't the government informed the public that undercover police officers were chanting our house and urging protesters to go up the Capitol steps? Officer 2 literally said someone would get shot and went up right behind Ashley Babbitt. Hey, I'm just telling you that we're being deceived and there's cover-ups and there's a lying going on, and this is a pretty serious matter. The Department of Justice is trying to prevent these defendants from even seeing the evidence. And that's why you see guys like this uh, Pope defending themselves. There's seven criminal counts brought by federal prosecutors in February of last year. No, actually, February of 2021. He asked U.S. District Judge 
Rudolph Contreros to compel the Department of Justice to give him full access to the discovery materials. I mean, you look at the, these photographs and these videotapes of these MPD officers that, you know, uh, that stop four armed men in plain clothes, all of whom produced law enforcement credentials. You can see it in the picture. They open up their wallets. They are law enforcement. And they, Tequan Brown, Daniel Stiles, and Christopher Vanacar, not only show that, but when they're asked, is anyone armed, they say, we all are, the men said, admitting they were law enforcement officials. The woman that was with them was not armed. <laughs> I'm sorry. The ideas all appear to look very similar in the photograph, but I don't, you know, I don't know what they say um, and, and Brown, one of the uh, officers, chides one of the men, you got to do a little better at hiding it, pointing to his concealed handgun. Okay. The body cam of MPD officer Lawrence Lazuski shows Lazuski and another MPD officer expressed the belief that police had been set up on January 6th. After nearly 90 minutes on the police line on the west front of the Capitol, Lazuski retreated to the Upper West Terrace at 2.30. He approached a group of other officers, one of whom was engaged in an animated discussion. They set us up. Actually, it included an expletive that I can't say. And then they asked you all to come down two hours later. They set us up. A. I don't trust them one bit. I'm glad that uh, Mr. Pope is demanding that he be given access to evidence that would, you know, help him make his case. Let's see if it actually happens. I don't trust anybody anymore. That's what's so uh, horrible about this particular moment in history. It's like I've always had a healthy amount of distrust of the government. It's not healthy anymore. It's not a healthy distrust. It's a overwhelmingly frightening disgust. I think that they have abused their, um, their privilege. They have abused the sanctity of the relationship that we're supposed to have with the people who are supposed to be defending us. They are, they are not to be trusted. That's all. It's horrible for me to have to say that. It really is. And more worse, it's hor horrible for me to have to believe that. But I do. I believe that with all my heart. All right. Um, I'm going to take a final break. Don't forget Dan Bongino's coming up at 1 o'clock. At 4 o'clock is Ben Shapiro. 6 o'clock, the WPTV News. And then Jen and Bill will be back in the morning. But for right now, don't touch that dial. I'll be back to wrap it up in just a moment. Yeah. You know, and the, and the stories just just get worse and worse. Um, not only did uh, uh, Jimmy Carter, the former president, uh, end up being placed into at-home hospice care as he uh, comes to the end of his long life, um, this guy, Tom Sizemore, 
you know, I really wasn't sure who he was until I, because I heard the news story before I saw it, but he was in Saving Private Ryan. And he's in a uh, L.A. hospital right now. He had a brain aneurysm in his home. And he was just in his apartment and at 2 o'clock. And, you know, and he suffered a brain aneurysm and became unconscious. He's in the hospital now. I have no idea how he was found. Apparently, uh, somebody was there and found him and called EMS and then they transported him, but he's in critical condition. That's no small thing. I think he was 61 years old. I'm telling you, these people, you know, a guy that I used to literally hang around with died yesterday, Richard Belzer. And, you know, he was, uh, most of you know him as Munch from uh, Law and Order, which was one of his, his great roles. But, uh, but, you know, I knew him in a very different way. He was a, a comic in, in New York, and he was extremely funny, and I used to go to these comedy shows, and I, I, I just th I thought he was the... I'm into sarcasm, and he was like the most sarcastic comic at the time, and he used to do like the warm-up for Saturday Night Live, which was actually a good show back then, and, you know, you would try to get tickets and take your visiting family members there. And, I, you know, I, that's where I first saw him, and then I started following him around to these clubs because I thought he was just so funny. And, you know, to, to be, to hear yesterday or this morning, I think I heard it um, late last night, that he had, he had passed, I was like, what? You know, he. I thought he was closer to age than I am. He must have been about nine years older than me. He was like my brother's age. And, uh, you know, <laughs> the, it's a funny thing. I'm not going to be able to say it on the air, but if you have a chance, you can Google what his last words were. And I t totally, fully believe that those were his last words. Um, he was very, very... Uh, sarcastic, and he was also very, very caustic, if that's the right word. But uh, married two or three times, I don't remember. I, know, I remember Kelly, I, he was married a couple of times, though. And uh, most famous, definitely, for p playing John Munch, um, which he played on a bunch of different shows. He played it on, um, on uh, Law and & Order, and the special victims unit, him and uh, Chris and and Mariska Hargitay. I mean that that was them. And then he he recreated that that same role on uh, other shows. Like I think he did had a show called Homicide, Life on the Street. And then he was in Homicide the movie. And then he was on uh, uh, Law and Order, regular straight up Law and Order, not the SVU. And he was a, when I first met him, he was the first person I ever met that believed in every conspiracy theory that you could think of. And that was the character that he played on uh, uh, SVU. He was always into the conspiracies, but he was really like that. And he, he came up, he was the first person to ever tell me about One World Government, uh, Trilateral Commission, uh, Bilderbergers, Belzer was the first person I ever heard use any of those terms and had me convinced back in the 
seventies, sixties, early seventies, that those things were really, uh, you know, possibly going to happen here in America. He was, he was right. Um, he was unique. He was definitely unique. So that made me sad. And then, uh, you know, Sizemore has this brain aneurysm and I'm thinking, my goodness, like, you know, um, I remember when my mom and dad used to tell me things like, oh, you know, I, I don't read the, uh, the obituary columns anymore because everybody in there is my age, you know, and I used to think, oh, that's silly. That's not true. But it is true. And it's become my truth now. Not that I ever was inclined to read the obits, although actually when you think about it during the COVID days when we were locked in, I read a lot of obits. I read a lot of stuff, did a lot of reading during that period of time. Unfortunately, our kids weren't doing that much reading because now their school, their scores in every major discipline are horrendous, you know? So uh, go figure can't you can't make this thing so now the uh the final piece of news that i'll share with you today besides the fact that there were literally police officers pushing those january 6 guys um is that there's been another balloon sighting yep another balloon sighting can you believe it of course you can because now this is this is a method of controlling us is what i've discovered a white balloon has been spotted by pilots over Hawaii. A large white balloon comes just days after, uh, of course, spy balloons get blown out of the sky and multiple flying white balloons getting gunned down by the U.S. military. But they did put a picture up of what they are calling this latest sighting. And it's, uh, it's pretty strange. Don't look like a weather balloon, that's for sure. But uh, what can I tell you? Don't they have the balloon races in New Mexico coming up shortly? If I were those people, I would not go up in an unidentified flying balloon. That's all I'm going to say because they've become a little trigger happy here and are shooting down uh, balloons. And, you know, that's just part of the... Uh, part of the uh, new world that we live in. Not the new world order, just the new world. And you can't, you can't. I walked in, did anybody, has anybody walked into a dollar store lately, like the dollar uh, tree? It's not a dollar tree anymore. I knew that and I reported on that months ago, but I don't frequent that store because I don't really want to buy a lot of schlock from, uh, you know, foreign lands. So I only go in there in emergencies, but I walked in there and like everything is a buck and a quarter. I thought it was like some things were going to be a buck and everything. It's the buck and a quarter tree now, I guess. And not that, you know, not that the quality has improved uh, of the retail items. Anyway, I thank you for your time this time until next time. And my plan is to be back here tomorrow at noon, if it be his will and he delays his coming. Uh, remember that what lies behind us and what lies ahead of us, those are tiny matters compared to what lies within us. So wherever you are, just be yourself and keep looking up. You never know when you might be the next person to spot a giant flying balloon in the sky above you. Take a picture of it and send it to us at the 850 WFTL website. God bless you and God bless the United States of America.
The Joyce Kaufman Podcast has been brought to you by Code Red Roofers, South Florida's leading residential and commercial roof experts. Code Red Roofers, roofers that respond. Call 844-4-CODE-RED or visit coderedroofers.com.